let's um, turn in our Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, because that's where we are. We're in the Gospel of Mark, so just go ahead and turn to Mark. We're still in chapter 1, and uh, it's going to be a joy to get into God's Word. And as you turn, we're going to ask the Lord's blessing and ask him to please come and teach us and step in and, and, um, and minister to us through his word. So, uh, Heavenly Father, here we are. We thank you very much once again um, for your word. It is essential in our life. It is the most vital part of uh, what we do each day is getting your word. So bless this time by teaching us, by instructing us, and letting us know what it is you want us to do, to hear, and how to walk. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's go ahead there in chapter 1. And the last time that we met, we uh, finished up in verse 11 of chapter 1. And uh, we talked about the Word of God being the very words of God breathed by his mouth. Uh, and how it is trustworthy, it is true, and how we can rely on its accuracy. So we talked about that. Uh, last time we met John the Baptist, uh, we also saw the Holy Trinity, we saw Jesus' water baptism, um, and yet we saw the Holy Trinity represented at that baptism, we saw God, the Holy Spirit, descending upon him like a dove, and we ended up um, with how we can receive the Holy Spirit, which was by asking the Father. So that's where we ended up, and now we're in verse 12. So let's look at verse 12. We'll read verse 12 and 13, and let's see what the Lord has for us. So immediately, and I love that word in the Gospel of Mark, immediately um, the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. Now, notice how uh, immediately, you know, this, the, the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness. So there was no time waste, wasted. It was to be no time wasted for this temptation of our Savior. So he drove him there, right? Now, in the other account in, in Matthew, you get a little bit more detail of what happened. But he was to be, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and he was to be tempted then by Satan himself. And he came to tempt him in three different areas. And we're not going to go into all of that because Mark sort of takes a different uh, road uh, in, in moving on in the life of, of Jesus Christ here than the other Gospels. But let's mention the three areas that Jesus Christ, our Savior, was tempted of the devil. Turning stones into bread while being hungry. That was number one. Okay. Now, definitely this was something Jesus could do. You can't do it. If I told you to turn stones into bread, you'd just look at me. Jesus, he can do it. Too easy, right? However, Jesus said this in Matthew 4, 4. It is written, key, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Okay? Then Satan uses scripture. Very interesting. On the second temptation, he uses scripture and he tells Jesus uh, pretty much just throw yourself off and the you know, angels will give their, uh, uh, hold you up and you could just float down and you know, and who knows what would have happened if people would have saw him and who knows what. But notice what Jesus said, right? 
Jesus said to him a second time, it is written. Very interesting, key point, it is written. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. That's what he told him. And we're not going to get into all of the, a lot of details in, in this area in, in, in Mark. But the third temptation was this one. He offered Jesus the world and everything in it. And he says, you can have it all if you would just fall down and worship me. That's what he said, right? What did Jesus say? Jesus says, away with you, Satan, for it is written. Third time, for it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall worship. Two key things there, very important. The first thing is, is Jesus is showing us right here, or Mark is showing us, Jesus' deity is God. Because it is true, there's only God that you will worship. There's nobody else. I'm sorry. That is the highest form of recognizing who God is, right? Who do you worship? We worship God. Ain't nobody else getting that. And Jesus told him that. But does Jesus receive worship? Oh, yes, he does, because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Oh, I can identify who God is. God the Son. Isn't that beautiful? But the other thing here that we learn, and we're going to move on from here. Like I said, we're going to spend too much time there. But the other thing we learn is that he said it is written three times. So it, it shows us that each response to the devil from our Lord and Savior was with the word of God. We need ourselves as Christians because we're going to go through temptations if you haven't been through any temptations hang on hang in there if you're a Christian okay but if you have been and you're going to go through them we've got to get a handle on the word of God to go through these temptations and go through them with victory that's what Jesus is trying to get across to us so if you take the Bible, close it up, push it aside, and say, I'm going to go through this with Ali or on my own, don't try it. But if you open the word of God and say, it is written, you're going to make it through just fine. Make it through just fine. So and then in Matthew 4.11, it finishes this discourse. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Okay, now back to Mark. Notice in verse uh, 12 and 13 that we just read, I want to pinpoint a couple of interesting things here that are really cool. Listen to this. It, it says that uh, Jesus was in the wilderness, right? Now, um, what do you think would happen to a lamb? Jesus is the lamb of God. What would happen to a lamb in the wilderness? Uh, nothing but a meal, right? That's what happens to a lamb in the wilderness, even around here with the coyotes, right? However, not with Jesus, not the Lamb of God. He created all the beasts anyway, right? He made everything. However, however, I want you to see here, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, led by God into the wilderness, even though it seems like, you know, he's unprepared or whatever, but he was driven, he was led into the wilderness by God. Guess what? Don't be surprised if you are driven into the wilderness. See why you need the word of God and have a handle on it? God leads you that way. You're ready whether you think so or not, okay? Hang in there. Now, also, also, Jesus is the Lamb of God was with the beasts, okay, which of course, uh, he created them all, 
However, Jesus made it through, he made it through this wilderness of temptation with no fear, and he made it through victoriously. And you look at that as our example and say, okay, that's great, Jesus made it through, but what about me? Hey, guess what about you? Guess who's with you through your wilderness? The very one that went through that wilderness, Jesus is with you. You're going to make it through. So don't believe the lie from the enemy that says, you're not going to make it. It's too dark. It's too deep. It's too troubling. Oh, no. Don't believe that. Say, Lord, you made it through. You're with me, so we're going to make it through. Hang in there. If we could just look back in time and look at Job, this is what we would tell Job. Hey, Job, hang in there, buddy. Hang in there. It's coming. It's coming. Okay. Now, I want to notice something else here that will apply to us in these two verses. Look what it says at the end of verse 13. And the angels, plural, ministered to him. Okay? Jesus had angels helping and ministering to him. And guess what? You and I can expect the very same supernatural help when we need it. That's the God we serve. You might see me in the flesh, but guess what? There are things going on around us you do not see because there's a spiritual realm God deals with. And because we're there with him, don't be surprised if things happen in your life that there is no way in the world. I mean, how many have ever had that happen to them? There is no way in the world this was something that just happened. God intervened. He stepped into my time, and there it is. All right, so beautiful, beautiful. Okay, so now, verse 14 and 15. We covered 12 and 13. Look at verse 14. Very interesting. Now, after John was put in prison, speaking of John the Baptist, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, John was put into prison by Herod, the ruler of, of Galilee at that time. And, and once again, we won't get into all of that because we'll get into that in chapter 6. It gets into detail. However, what happened to John was very emotional. It was something that was a traumatic thing for all of the community, of course. However, notice something. Here, he talks about him going to jail, and he talks about Jesus preaching the gospel. Jesus did not allow what happened to John to deter him from preaching the gospel. And neither should we. We should not let prison, we should not let opposition, we should not let hostility, we should not let our own guilt or our own shortcomings or our own weaknesses deter us from preaching the gospel. So there's no excuse to share your faith and share your gospel. And look what Jesus did. He gave us a four-point sermon, sermonette, 
on how to share the gospel. Did you see that there? Let's, 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 let's pull that out of, of this, this uh, um, text here. Look at this. Look at this. Jesus gives a four-point sermon on preaching the gospel. Number one, point one. All right? You ready, Josh? Write it down. Point one. All right? The time is fulfilled. That's what he says, right? The time is fulfilled. How do we look at that? Hey, today is a day of salvation. Point one. Here's point two. The kingdom of God is at hand. That's what he says, right? Now, he says the kingdom of God is at hand. What they had been waiting for all of these years, thousands of years through scripture, the Jews are sitting there, Sabbath after Sabbath, hearing the word of God, waiting for the Messiah. What they had been waiting for all those years was sitting right in front of them. And guess what? It's the same with us as we share with others. What people may not know it have been waiting for all their life to be rid of the sin, rid of the guilt, rid of the shame, rid of the weaknesses. They've been waiting all their life. And what do they turn to? They turn to drugs. They turn to alcohol. Turn to pornography. They turn to stealing. They turn to you name it. It's all there. And it doesn't set them free. It just binds them up even more. But when you show up at the supermarket or you show up at the job or whatever, and you say to them something that God gave you, that's what they've been waiting for all of their life. To hear about who loves them so much, which is Jesus, which has set them free. That was point three. Point, uh, um, point two. Point three, very simple, repent. That's what Jesus said, right? That's what he's doing. Repent. Now, somebody ever asked you, well, okay, fine, repent. What does repent mean? Now, you know, what does repent mean? Well, think about this. Just think for a minute. Think where I am right this second in my life living a life that is disobedient to God. And I will tell you, people know when they're disobedient to God. People know when they're not doing right. I, you don't have to really write it all out for them. They know, even if they don't want to tell you, they know. Living a life like that, disobedient to God, repentance is, is, is looking at that, understanding that it's wrong, and actually turning 180 degrees of my mind and heart and my feet as well, my mind and heart, turn 180 degrees from that and say, I am not going, I don't want to live that way anymore. I'm not going to do it. That's, that, that's repentance. That's, that's true repentance. So that's what Jesus is telling. The fourth point, look at this. The fourth point, he ends it with believe in the gospel. This is why I really believe he, he finished with this point, the fourth point. The, the belief in the death, literally, the burial, that's right, three days in, in the tomb, and the resurrection, yes, he rose again, he's alive and well, bodily resurrection, okay? Those three, the belief in that is not only necessary, but it is essential to enter the kingdom of God. And that's the gospel. And those are four points that he gave. I thought that was really cool. So... This is what Jesus preached, and this is what we should tell others as often as we can, guys. As, and as a creative as God has blessed you to be able to do that. Let's look at verse 16. We'll move right along. Verse 16, and uh, we'll read down to 18. And as he walked, 
by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Wow. <laughs> that is amazing. <coughs> now, when we look at this, there, there are four things that I see here that is just so cool that Jesus likes. I mean, to you it may not be anything, but to me, it really, it stuck out to me. And, and I guess maybe from being an old soldier, the first thing I see that he likes is he likes to walk. Jesus likes to walk. Do you know walking's good for you? <laughs> did you know that? All right, anyway. All right, we did a lot of walking in the army. All right, so he liked to walk. And another thing that he liked is he liked being by the sea. I don't know why. We're going to learn that as we go through Mark 2. He did all kinds of things by the sea. Sat by the sea. He cooked breakfast by the sea. He had guys fishing at the sea. He even put their guys in a very precarious situation in the sea. It was just on, it's just something about the sea. You know, Jesus loves the sea. And he, he also quells the sea. Okay. Um, another thing he liked to do is he likes, as, as, we, as we read here, all right, about Andrew, and his brother, right, Simon, <clears throat> he likes to recruit men and women into the ministry. He likes to do that. Now, how many of you here are in the ministry? You're in the ministry. Just raise your hand. Okay. All right. If you're a Christian, you're in the ministry. <laughs> so those of you who didn't put your hands up, it doesn't matter. You're still in the ministry. God's placed you there in whatever aspect of your life to be in the ministry and to be a, a hand, a voice, a hug, a love, or something to the world out there. Don't worry. God, he's going to know how to use you. Another thing that he likes is he likes men and women who are not lazy. He likes hard workers. I don't know what it is. Me, I want to sleep all day. I'm a lazy guy. But no. He, he likes men and women that are not lazy and hardworking. Now, you notice here that these guys just packed up and followed Jesus like that, you know? And so you go like, whoa, that was amazing. But as we read John in the first chapter and, and the other areas of, of the, the encounters Jesus had with these guys, um, you'll see that Jesus knew, they knew each other. They had spent a little bit of time with each other over maybe a course of a year's time to get to know Jesus, to hear him, and so on and so on. So they knew of him. Besides, these two guys... They were John the Baptist's disciples, you know. So they knew of Jesus, knew him. So it, it's, it just, it, Mark just brings it out that way. So I thought that was very, very interesting um, to see that. But I want you to also notice a couple of things that happened in these, in these verses. All right, 16 through 18. Notice a couple of more things that Jesus does. This is what he does. Look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, he saw. Jesus saw. Oh, sounds so simple, right? Guess what? Who we're talking about sees is God. God sees everything. And he just doesn't see with 
your external expression of what you're doing. He looks deeper and sees the heart, mind, and he sees the soul. That's what he sees too, okay? So I, I thought that was interesting that he sees. And then it, it, look at verse 17. It says there in, in, in verse 17, he said, or I, I like to look at that as he called, but he said, right? He's called. Now I want you to notice something. He is doing those two very same things to this day. He is seeing and he is calling. Now we need to be answering. But however, look what he says. He simply says this. Two words. Just too easy, right? Two words. He says, follow me. Now in the army, we used to use that as a, a, a term amongst the other soldiers in, 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 in movements. The leader would say, follow me. And we would reply, lead the way. So he knows you follow him. See? So I see here... It says, he, all he says to them is, follow me. And they're pretty much, in their response, is he'll lead the way. But anyway, follow me is all he says. However, those two words, to some, not to all, are two of the hardest things to do. Those two words, the response to follow, is probably the hardest things to do for some. Very difficult. It, it, like I said, it's simple, right? Follow me. Too easy, right? But sometimes when the Lord's telling you to follow him, it becomes quite difficult and takes a lot of sacrifice, a lot of fighting. But notice also here, he also says, and I love this. I think Chuck brought this out for me last week. He says, I will make you become fishers of men. I will make you become Think about this. This was something that he's telling them. This is something entirely new for them. They never did this. This was outside their comfort zone. Don't even ask me to get involved in that one. But this was something totally outside their comfort zone. They knew, they knew nothing about this. They didn't have the playbook on this one. Yet what did they do? They followed. Even though you don't understand, even though you don't get it, and the Lord tells you to follow, you follow. But Lord, I got to see the whole plan before you do. Mm -mm -mm. Just follow. But Lord, this is going to be so difficult. That's okay. Follow. Follow. Okay, so that was, I thought that was pretty cool. Now, notice too, Jesus will do the making. Right? That's what he said. I will make you fishers of men. I never did this before. Uh, hold on. I'm the one making you. I'm the one. You just get up and just follow. I will make. I'll make it happen. I will do it. I love that. I love that. Oh, <laughs> the Lord is so good. Okay. Now, in, in verse 18, okay, verse 18 did we get that far? Yes. They immediately left their nets and they followed him. They immediately left their nets. Think about this. Their net, you're a fisherman now, so now you got to put yourself in their shoes. Their nets represented their livelihood. Their nets represented their retirement plan. <laughs> their nets were something that the community 
and their families depended on for subsistence, right? Fishermen without a net, <laughs> you're going to provide no food. All of these things, that which they do best, as for, that which they do best was their nets. That was all part of them. That was their, represented, I guess, their whole lifestyle, right? Their whole life, everything that what they were what they're comfortable with, what they are familiar with. And what did they do? Let me read that verse again. They immediately left their nets. They gave up all. They gave all of that up just to follow Jesus and to be made fishers of men. Now, I don't know if that hits you, but boy, did it hit me. Look at verse 19, and we'll read down to verse 20. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them. I love it. And they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired servants, good business, hired servants, and went after him. Now, once again, Jesus targets two more men, and he changes their entire life. He took them, as he saw them, mending fishing nets. That's what they were doing, right? And he told them to follow, turned it all around in order for them to start mending the nets that will catch the hearts of men. Or mending the hearts of men. Or mending the souls of men. Or mending helping others. That's what he did. Turned the whole thing around. He sees what you're doing. I got you. You're mending the nets with the stinky old fish. I got a whole better job for you. So that's what happened. I love when he does that. Okay. If he took these men that gave up everything to follow him, notice what he did as we look at the history of what happened to the disciples. Follow me. Jesus kept his word, didn't he? He told them he's going to make it, didn't he? He kept his word. Right? He made them fishers of men. And guess what else happened because of this? He changed the whole world. The whole world. Fishermen. He changed the whole world. Now, just imagine what he will do with you and with me if we just simply follow. Wow. Just imagine. Incredible. Verse 21. Verse 21. <clears throat> then they went into Capernaum. Oh, I love Capernaum, right? We read that so much. Peter lived there. Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority <laughs> and not as the scribes. Now, we're going to also learn something about Jesus' habits. And one of his habits is he's a habit of going to church. Well, synagogue. 
But he has a habit of going to church. He has a habit of being in synagogue. Man, that's a good habit. Oh, I don't feel like going today. Oh, I'm going anyway. I'm going to be late. I don't care. I'm going anyway. Man, I don't have nothing to wear. I'm still going anyway. Forgot to clean up. I'm going anyway. <laughs> Josh is teaching Wednesday. Well, I'm going. <laughs> but it's a good habit. It's a very good habit. And, and Jesus had this beautiful habit of, of going to synagogue. But notice also, Jesus had the gift of teaching operating in his life. Right? This gift was like, wow. He was confident in his teaching, not like the scribes. He was authoritative in his teaching, not like the scribes. And this is something else he was able to do. He was able to get the people's attention so they can understand and hear what he was trying to say. And guess what? He does the very same thing today through the teachers that he calls. It's beautiful. He's still doing that. Amazing, amazing. Verse 23. Verse 23. You want to read down to verse 24. Now, there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are. The Holy One of God. Now, I like to look at this as the church service is disturbed. <laughs> Can you imagine? You know, you're in a church and you're teaching and all of a sudden this happens right in the service. Right in the middle of service. If you're new at the church, you're like, I'm leaving, right? <laughs> But, but here we have the, 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 this disturbance in the church. And who is the disturbee? Who's the one doing it? Satan, his demon, his cohort. So Satan goes to church. <laughs> the demons go to church. Uh-huh, sure does. Don't ever be fooled, guys. Don't ever be tricked. The enemy likes to work in the, in the walls of the church as well. And you know how you usually notice it? It's through division. Dividing the brothers and dividing the sisters is so easy for him. I brush up against you walking down the stairs and I go to the fellowship hall downstairs and pour a cup of coffee and you're just standing there watching the kids come out of Sunday school and all of a sudden something whispers in your ear. Yeah, the reason why Rich brushed your shoulder because he don't like you. And you look at me and I had just burned my lip on the coffee and I'm like... Yeah, look at his face. He don't like me. And all of a sudden, you get the nerve, you know, to come over to me and say, Rich, you don't like me, do you? What, what are you talking about? Who told you that? Who told you that? Well, nobody told me that. Well, somebody told you that. I'm, did I give it? No. I love you. I don't not like you. Love you. Oh, okay. That was the enemy. That's what the enemy does. That's how you can pinpoint him in the, in the walls. Well, you know, in the walls of fellowship. I was trying to divide, trying to you know, get in between everybody, make you not like. That's what the enemy does. So don't be. Remember, he comes to church. But anyway, let's move on. So here we have here we have this this disturbance, right? And and something to understand, and I think it's very important, 
is that uh, these demons, these, this, this spiritual uh, um, world there that we don't see, uh, they were, these, these evil angels and demons, they were at one time good and they lived in God's kingdom. I know you, some of you know this. They lived in God's kingdom. Uh, they knew their creator, Jesus Christ. They rebelled against God under the leadership, of course, of Satan. They followed him, right? And they do know that they have a short time on this earth to be judged, and then they'll be thrown into the lake of fire. So they know that. Um, but I, I, I want to, to look at this title that the, the demon used there because it was very familiar to me through Scripture. When, when I looked at this verse again, and, and look at the end of that, that verse... 24 look put your eyes on it and it says the holy one of god that's what he, he gave him the title and as soon as i saw this whoa, 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 the holy one of god wait a minute that's god that, that, that that's that's jesus that's the messianic term that refers in so many places countless places throughout the bible referring to jehovah god it, it'll say the holy one of israel or the holy one or the holy one of god i said whoa that's that that's god so not only is this a messianic term, go ahead and turn to Isaiah 43. Come on, go to Isaiah 43 with me. Not only is this a messianic term, but this is also, okay, uh, which identifies Jesus as being the Messiah, of course, but it also identifies Jesus as being God, the Son of God. Totally equal, 100%. All the characteristics, all the attributes, lacking none for the Father and, and God the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. Look at Isaiah 43, and we're going to look at verse 3a. And when I say a, or if I say b, or if I say c, it's just that part of the verse that has the end of the verse with a period or a colon or an exclamation point. You got me? Did I confuse you yet? Okay, but anyway, we're in Isaiah 43, 3a says, For I am the Lord. Your God, the Holy One of Israel. I said, your Savior. I was like, wow, that's so cool. Look at um, Isaiah 43, 14a, okay? Look there, look there. It says, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Look at verse 15 of, of, of Isaiah 43. It says, I am the Lord, your Holy One the creator of Israel, your God. So, so knowing the history of these demons, where they came from, that they knew heaven and he knew who, who God is, right? They, and, and when they saw him, I, I, I'm sorry, I just put two and two together. And I look at the Old Testament, what he said, I look at the New Testament, and I look at Jesus, and I worship him and say, you're God. I love it. I love it. He's just all over the place. I love him, I love him, I love him. I don't know. Anyway, he doesn't need bad publicity or, you know, evil publicity. Um, so he's going to take care of business here um, as he moves along <clears throat> in verse 25. So let's look at verse 25. I just had to bring that one out. Oh, God is so awesome. Verse 25, and we're going to read down, guys, to 28. But Jesus rebuked him, saying... Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, now this is in church, guys, this is in synagogue, he came out of him. 
Then they were all amazed. So that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority, he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately, love that word, and immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Now, I want you to notice something here. Very important. This is very key. I, I think so. Number one, Jesus is in total control of the spiritual world. No need to fear. Jesus is in total control. I got it. There's a physical, there's a spiritual. I, I read the Bible, it's there. But who's in control? Jesus. Number two, he commands the spirit world, he commands them. No suggestions, no will use, commands them, and they obey him. That's the way it works. Number three, the spirit world is subject to him. They can do absolutely nothing unless they go through him first. <laughs> and I love that. You see, when you're walking down that dark alley and the devil says, whispers in your ear, oh, you need to be afraid. <laughs> That's when you say, you know what? I know the flesh is jumping through hoops on that one. <laughs> I serve the true and living God and nothing's going to happen to me because they got to go through him first. And you know what? You got to go through Jesus to get to me and you just walk on and go about your business wherever you are doing whatever. That's the God we serve. Now, here's the fourth thing that, that I saw out of verse 25 through 28. Jesus is able to cast them out and cleanse a person and set them free from demon possession. He can do that. Now, guys, that is the God we serve. That is the God portrayed right out of here in Mark. That is what he's trying to tell us. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, now, verse 29. We're moving along. Verse 29. We're going to read down to verse 31, so stay with me. <clears throat> now, as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew. Well, the house was pretty close, you know. Sounds like it was right next door, right? Okay, so now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, church was over, <coughs> they entered the house of Simon and Andrew, okay, with James and John. But Simon's wife, mother, so Simon was married, so Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So, he came, took her by the hand, lifted her up, and immediately, love that word, the fever left her, and she served them. Now, notice a few things of how Jesus treats women. Oh, the men in those days, very chauvinistic, Adam. Very chauvinistic. A lot like some of us men today, right? Not, not, not us, but some of us men today. Very chauvinist. Treat women mm, back in those days for a century? 
not, you, you really wouldn't want to be a woman. Well, I shouldn't say that. You, know? you wouldn't want to be caught in a situation as a woman with some of these guys, right? But some of them, many of them, you know, not all of them, but many of them had their ways. However, look at how Jesus treated this woman. He was available for her. He's available for you. Not only was he available for her, he was present. He was there for her. He was prayed to. He was asked. So he's someone that you could talk to. You could ask help. He was there. He didn't shun anybody. He also had the power to help her. He had everything that needed. He even had this. He had compassion for her. He cared about her. He was very personable with her. He, he, he could have been sitting in another room and said, not a problem. And she would have went, woo, I feel better, and get up, right? You never touch her, nothing, right? No, 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 he went to her. He looked at her. Oh, he saw her. Oh. We say in Spanish, ay bendito, or ay bendita. Oh, baby, you know, I don't know what, what you were saying. But he did, and he, he, he says that he, he reached down, and I love, I, guys, I love how he words it here. It says, so he came, and he took her by the hand, and he lifted her up, and guys, immediately the fever left. Now notice, his gentle and loving nature, that's how he is with you. If something's going on in your life you think is God and it's not gentle and it's not loving, ladies, I question that very highly if that's of God. And that's how the men treat their women too. Right? Love, love Christ, right? You tracking with the scripture? We're supposed to love as Christ loved the church, love your wife, gentle, loving, and kind. Oh, I know it's hard, first century men. You can do it. <laughs> you could do it. But notice what happened now when she was healed. Guys, you got to get this. Notice what she did after she was healed. She went to go serve. Now, I want to put ourselves in her shoes in a way and say this. God has healed us. And that's where we need to find ourselves, serving Jesus Christ, while serving others. That's why we're here. One of the reasons why we're here is to serve Jesus Christ by serving others. But I don't like them. That's okay. <laughs> do what God's telling you to do. I know you don't like me, but that's okay. All right, so look at verse 32. <clears throat> verse 32. At evening, when the, and we'll read down to verse 34, and at evening, <clears throat> when the sun had set, so follow me chrono chronologically, okay, he, he had this, he was in church, he, uh, the, the demon goes crazy, he cast him out, and he goes to Peter's house, and so he's there, sitting down, chilling with everybody there, eating, having a good time, relaxing, and uh, all of a sudden, at evening, because it was the Sabbath, right, the Sabbath, they weren't doing any, you know, work in the Sabbath, you can only do certain things, right? so he's just, Following the Lord is chilling, right? All of a sudden, at evening, 
Sabbath was done. When the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Can you imagine what that looked like? Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. He doesn't need that bad publicity. <clears throat> Notice something. He had a very busy day of ministry, wouldn't you think? Think about that with you. How tired would you be? Oh, well, think about all that he did. But what I want you to see is the characteristics of Jesus Christ in the midst of this. Notice this. He turns no one away. No partiality. There's no partiality in God. He's, no, nah, you, oh, no, you, yes, no, you, no. That's not God. We do that, guys. You and I. So don't ever think that God is, you know, dividing and has partial things. Oh, you're, the rich comes to the front and the poor in the back. Uh-uh. That's not God. God, no partiality. No partiality. Notice something else, too, here. He's caring about these people. All right, no, look, you had a long day and you got people, the whole city, the whole city. What's a whole city? A whole city. A lot of, I don't care what city you in. If it's a 10,000 people, 40,000 people, or 500 people. I drove by a city, I think it was in, the, who was I coming from? I was coming here. Well, you know what? Well, when I came, um, not today, but <laughs> when I traveled back here, man, I passed nine people. There were nine people in that city. Anyway, however big this city was, they were all the sick, they were all at the door. Can you imagine what that looked like? Like a hospital emergency room. Well, you know what that is. A hospital emergency room. Everybody had broken arms and who knows what was, oh, I bet you the smell was terrible. I mean, and they just crowded and, you know, in the Middle East, man, it is not air conditioning. Okay, so, I mean, just think about this day. And here he is. He's caring. He's caring. Look, it doesn't matter how difficult your day has been or what you're going through. <laughs> the Lord don't change. Excuse me. The Lord doesn't change. He cares about you. He ain't giving up on you. He loves you. I love that about him. Notice something else, too. He rules over every type of sickness and demon possession. And he dealt with it. Rules over every one of them. Amazing. Man, that's our God. Okay, enough said of that. Let's look on now to verse 35. And we're coming to a close pretty soon. Verse 35, we're going to read down to 39. And it says, <clears throat> Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight stopped. Let's get this timeline squared away here. He worked all through the day, all through the night. I know he's tired. And then, of course, he, he crashes and gets some sleep for a minute for, for a short period. But it says, now in the morning, having risen a long while, not just at daylight, but a long while before daylight. So depending what time he went to sleep that night, and from the time he woke up, yeah, you only got a couple hours. How many of you have had sleepless nights? No, none of you? Just me? Okay. Sleepless nights. And you're looking at the clock, and you're like, I got to, what? Lord, 
I know it's not you, it's me, but help me sleep. But anyway, so here he is, here's the Lord, and it says, I, I, I got to get this and, and get it right. Now, in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed into a solitary place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Hmm. Wait a minute. Jesus wanted to be alone, and this is a fact. We read, we're reading it. Jesus wanted to be alone with the Father more than getting a few more hours of sleep. Needed sleep. Well, what we think is needed sleep. He wanted to be with the Father more than get those couple of hours more of sleep. It was more important for him to be speaking to the Father than getting much needed sleep. Sometimes we need to do the same thing and unplug from this world and get along with the Father. This world will drain you. It's just what it does. Pull you aside. Pull you apart. Redirect your goals. Redirect your thoughts. Redirect your motives. Redirect all kinds of stuff. That's what the world does. But let me tell you, Take Jesus as our example. It is more important to spend time with our Heavenly Father in prayer than it is to be all involved in these other things. I'm just going to say it. Look what happened. Jesus found strength. He also found refreshment. And he found guidance. Three things key to us in prayer. Three things. Jesus found strength. Do you need strength? Jesus found refreshment. I don't even have to ask that one. I know I need it. Oh, and the third one, guidance. I don't even think I need to say it. He found it in prayer. Not in the TV evangelist. He didn't find it in the latest fad. He didn't find it with the experience jumping up and down and swinging from the chandeliers or running 10 miles or go. I don't know. He found it in prayer. And you got to go back to what Jesus says. I will make you fishers of men. I want to pray, but it's so hard for me. And I want to do this. It is so hard for me. I, I got it. I got that. Been there, done it, got all the t-shirts. Still getting more of them. But he'll make you, he'll, he'll develop you. You just got to have that heart and want to do it. Come on. And watch what he does to you. Watch what, he, watch what he's going to change. So strength, refreshment, and guidance, and prayer. Jesus had a consistent prayer life. And so can we. And listen to this verse from John 15, 16 that I think might motivate you because it motivated me about prayer. It says, <clears throat> Jesus says, what 
however you ask the Father, what does that mean? Qualify that. Quantitative that for me. Whatever is whatever. Yeah, but you don't know what I'm going to... Whatever is whatever. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Now, if that's not a motivator to go to prayer. We're going to stop there. We're going to finish next month. Um, we'll finish chapter one. We'll move on to chapter two. Uh, we're, hey, we're going to see some amazing things next month. Guess what? We're going to see amazing healings. It's going to be incredible. We're going to meet a guy named Matthew, a tax collector. All right, you guys like tax guys, IRS, right? Tax collector. We're going to meet him, and we're also going to talk about the Sabbath. We're going to get into that a little bit. That is pretty cool. So go ahead and uh, read ahead. Enjoy God's word. I know he has something special for you, and I know that um, prayer is key, guys. Our prayers are being heard, listened to, and answered. Let's pray together. Father, only your word can mend us. Only your word can refresh us, strengthen us, encourage us, give us guidance. Make us so desiring of coming before your presence, talking to you, asking you, getting guidance from you, bringing needs to you. Let this be a week like no other week that we say yes to prayer and we're going to buckle down. We're going to get a handle on the word of God to some extent as we go through this week. And we're going to listen for your voice to say, follow me, wherever it's you're leading. And we're going to say, okay, Lord. So we thank you for your blessing. 